Radio. The Fruits of the Spirit. A talk by Vince Fitzwilliams at the Immaculate Mission School 2013, held at St. Thomas Beckett Parish in Lewisham, Sydney. We've got all different worries and concerns, different stages in our growth in life, whether it be just in our natural talents or whether it be in our spiritual world. But in essence, we're all the same. You and I are the same. We have the same temptations. We have the same weaknesses, maybe in varying degrees. But in that respect, we're all the same. Just like the parish priest in the little story, he had his day off where he didn't really feel like going to Mass, to going to church, to being with the Lord. So I think it's a wonderful prayer that Paul's crying out with. Glory be to him, to God. And it is his power working in us, working in me, that can do much more than I can even imagine or hope for. There may be some of you sitting here right now saying, well, I came along, but I'm not really sure that I want to be here. Um, So-and-so over there, they seem to have got it. They're going better than I am. But you don't really know where I'm at. You don't know where I've been hurt in life. Just like Sister Mary Therese was sharing that story about that young lady who came along that night. And of course, we all have suffered and are hurt in different ways, along with our joys and our triumphs and our successes. But Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we just heard in the Mass this afternoon, look, there is the one. There is the one who will baptize you with the Spirit. There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one, he is the divine fixer for each one of us and sets us on the pathway. In the second letter to the Corinthians, in uh, chapter 3, it says, All of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Each one of us, you and I, when we say yes to Jesus, we're on a journey. It starts with our baptism in reality, when the Spirit of God is given to us. We're on a journey of transformation, a complete change in our lives. It's a call to holiness that Peter reminds us about in his letters. And some of you, when you hear that word, holiness, you think, well, that doesn't sound very cool. I don't really want to be holy now. But holiness is really that oneness with God, that wholeness. We can never be completely whole until we're in the heart of Jesus. Because what Jesus wants to do for each one of us in these days, is open-heart surgery. He's offering his sacred heart, which is burning in love. God loves you. God loves you. He's saying, I love you. I give you my heart. You open your heart to me, and I pour my love into your heart. I alone can give you the peace that you are looking for. My dad died when I was 14. He walked out the door. Mum and dad had an argument. 
Isn't that sad? The morning that he died, they had a big argument, yelling and screaming at each other. And my mum said to Dad, go to hell. He walked out that day, went to work, and on the way he stopped because he had a terrible headache. And he knocked on the door of a, of a priest's presbytery and said, Father, can I lie down? So you must have a pretty bad headache if you knock on the priest's door early in the morning. And he went into a coma. And I remember being called out at assembly at school. And um, <coughs> the memory's still there. And uh, going up to the hospital and waiting around. And uh, I never saw my dad again. My mum was sort of a, felt that I was too young to see my dad as he was dying or he's in a coma. And um, after that, my mum had a breakdown. And you can see the way we act sometimes, the way we do things, we would love to go back and to say we're sorry. We would love to patch it up again. And I'm sure many of you here would have stories of unfortunate things that have happened to you or have also happened in your family. And sometimes it's at that young age, as we're being formed, as we're growing, we have these experiences. The young lady that uh, Sister Mary Therese mentioned there, I understand. And she found it hard to have relationship. She particularly found it hard, even though she was pregnant, to have relationship with the man who loved her, to become his wife. And it was only when Jesus stepped in and touched her, touched her in the depth of her hurt that she had had from that young age. He touched her in her pain. So that when we say that God is a our Saviour, Father, shared with us this afternoon. Jesus means God saves. Christ means the Messiah, God Almighty, our Lord, the one who is in authority. When he stepped in and touched her life, because Jesus is beyond space and time, he stepped back into her life and touched her at that hurt and said, be restored, be made whole. And she was a completely new person where she could give life to that baby within her womb, where she could accept the love of that man to be her husband. It didn't mean that it was all over for her, but she understands what, that God is with her. Emmanuel, I saw Sister Mary Emmanuel, the last time I saw her, she didn't have the beautiful robing of being a sister with the Lord. And I just went up to her and I said, Mary Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God is with us. This is what we say at Christmas. And this is what God wants to say to you and I above all things in these days. I am with you. I am with you in your struggles. All I ask of you is to receive the open surgery. Open up your heart to me. I read a commentary by um, Bishop Peter Commonsoli. As you probably know, the bishops of Australia designated this a year of grace in Australia from Pentecost 2012 to Pentecost 2013 and at the same time from the Vatican starting in October last year I can say last year now um, Pope Benedict has designated it a year of faith and so there was this commentary I was reading all about grace and what grace is because we can hear a lot about grace. I think it's, I read somewhere it's mentioned something like 170 times in the Bible. And grace is that, all it is simply is that unearned help that God gives us. 
We don't deserve it, you and I. We make the mistakes. Just like my poor mum, she would have loved to take him back and said to my dad, look, I'm sorry, but she didn't have the time to do that. And so she became wounded. And so much so that it consumed her so much that she had a mental breakdown and she had to go through her own healing process. So it's very important in what we say and what we do. And God calls you and I to receive that change in our hearts. And so why I chose that scripture, glory be to him whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine because I take great heart from that. Because it's not by me gritting my teeth and saying I'm going to be more patient, particularly with my wife or my, my kids or my grandkids. It's not that I have to do it through sheer willpower, but rather that I open my heart to God and say, come in, you be new life in me. Peter Commonsoli, Bishop Peter Commonsoli, I think he finished that commentary on grace something like he said at the very end. It was a two or three page document. He said, in the end, the year of grace means us just being open to what God wants for us. Because what the bishops of Australia have done, they've looked at the church, they've looked at what's happening in the church, and they realize there's got to be more life in the church. God wants to do more with us. And so really they're reflecting what John Paul II has already said in, an in the apostolic letter that he issued just leading up to the new millennium. You might recall some of you that he designated the three years just before the uh, change of the century. One year was dedicated to the Father, one to the Son, and one to the Holy Spirit. But he's, he believed always for a new springtime in the church and Pope Benedict takes this up as well. But he, he always spoke of this, this new hope, this springtime. And he said part of the springtime or signs of the new springtime are the movements that are happening within the church. All these different movements. This school that we're having here in these days is part of that movement of the spirit. Maybe 50 or 60 years ago, you wouldn't have seen this taking place in the type of format that it is today. And this has been the initiative of God. It is God doing this out of his love. I will not leave you orphans, he said in John's gospel in those final passages before he goes to the cross, because I will leave my spirit with you. I will not leave you alone. And he says that to us individually. If we come here today or in these days and we come here and, and you might be hearing my little story but you're saying, well, Vince, you don't know the hurt in my past. It may be that there's one or two here never really even had a family, a family close to them that loved them, a mum or a dad. But we have God, our Father, who says to us individually, come to me, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And to help us on the journey, he gives us gifts. I was just thinking, look at, at my grandkids and um, how excited they are getting their presents and 
Sometimes you hear these comments by mums or dads now, come on, you've got to behave yourself. If you're, if you're not good, Santa will not bring you a present. And somehow they still get the presents anyway. And, and it's like that with, with God our Father. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our frailty, but he calls us always to himself. And all he wants us to do is to say, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry, Father God Almighty. I'm sorry out of my arrogance that I've hurt you. I'm sorry that I've helped nail you to the cross. I'm sorry that I have been the one that has spitted upon you and cursed you. Here I am, Lord. Heal me. Forgive me that I may live out the life that you call me to have. Because it's only in that life that I can know peace. It's only in that life that I can know joy. You know, all the movies, all the magazines, often when I stand in the supermarket and I see the um, false idea and some of those magazines, um, you know, the picture of some celebrity there and so-and-so going on about how skinny they are or how fat they are or, or this, that and the other. They're all about relationships. It's all about relationship. And it might be what I've achieved, what I've done, who I am, uh, who I know. And our life is relationship. But the key relationship is with God Almighty. The key relationship is with Jesus. He's saying to you, come to me and know my love. Receive my love. Be in intimate union with me. Now, in the letter to the Galatians, Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. <coughs> Galatians 5. Galatians 5.16, he talks about what he calls, this is in the Revised Standard Version, he talks about what he calls the works of the flesh. And he calls us to live by the Spirit, the very Spirit that God gives of himself, the very Spirit that led Jesus to the cross and led Jesus to heal and to sanctify every one of us through his precious blood. 5.16 says, live by the Spirit. This is Paul talking. I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh, for what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. And what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication. Fornication. That's put before us. That's matter of fact. Every movie we see, everything that's presented before us. It's a real struggle for us as young men and women. Isn't it? It's all there before us. It's plain. Um... These uh, TV shows now, it's just matter of fact, someone jumps into bed with the other and they hardly know them at times. People are trying to get into intimacy without really knowing true love and what it involves. It's more for the pleasure-seeking side of it. And we're all, we're all tempted in these areas. The works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery. Any sorcerers among you? Enmity, strife, jealousy, 
anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, carousing, I think another word they use is orgies, and things like these. And we can just sort of read through that. But a whole lot of this stuff is promoted today as a normal way of life. And, but Paul says, I'm warning you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now God is real. God exists. We have the witness of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. People who shared a life with Jesus. We have the revelation of Jesus to Paul. But also in the secular world, there's a lot of historical proof of Jesus. I can't go through that with you at this time. But there's people like Josephus and these various historians who wrote about Jesus. Jesus was real and Jesus existed. No one can deny that historically. And some of these um, secular writers spoke of him as a wonderful wonder worker. So Jesus did exist in a human sense. But what we know is by what he did, that he was divine and is divine. He is real. He's more powerful than any of these other things that would, we would be drawn to. And he tells us the life that we should live. He tells us that I can give you that peace and that joy and that love. And Paul talks about that. He says, what is the contrast to that life we just talked about? He says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit. Remember Jesus saying too in, in, John, in John's letter just before he goes to the cross, he's telling us to bear fruit, fruit that will last. As Christians, as followers of, of him, to bear fruit that will last. That's so people, in effect, can feed off what we do. And it's good fruit. It brings them good life. Today we're promoting all the time about good diets. We have a healthier existence, don't we, if we eat the right fruit? And he said, this is the right fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. There's nine listed here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I remember them. Praise the Lord. From the Bible, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says there is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Paul talks often about dying to self. And there's that expression there of we've crucified the flesh. I understand that really is the struggles that I might have. I remember one particular struggle in my life, and I won't tell you what it was. But it was, in the, it was in the part of sexual immorality. It was a struggle for me. And I used to pray to God and think, well, I can't change. I can't change. You know, I've tried and I've tried, but I just can't overcome this. And um, I was always taught in the traditional way to kneel by your bed at night and say your night prayers and um, not that I always consistently did that but as a young man one time I knelt by my bed and I said God I can't change you've got to change me and I don't know whether it's something from the heart that you really cry out that you God wants to know that you're really serious about this 
But I saw that sin go out of my life after that. I have other struggles that continue in my life that I struggle with, but that particular sin went out of my life and never returned again. There may have been temptations, but there was never surrender to the sin anymore. And I understood more and more God wants me to be serious about how I want to change. And he does the work for us. I think it's changed a bit now with um, heart surgery. I have a few friends, you know, the grey-haired people now, and uh, they have some heart surgery, and I think with a lot of other things, they put it, something up through your thigh, and it goes up through your blood vessels or veins or whatever, and then they might fix up, put a stent in your brain or somewhere in your heart to fix up something when you've had a stroke or, or you need something done. But a friend of mine who had uh, heart surgery some years ago, they used to always break this bone in the chest and pull your ribs back virtually, and the recovery took a long time. And, and, and that's how I see it. Sometimes the Lord really wants us to open our heart to him, really be truthful that we really want to change and to let him into our lives. Let me in. Let me in. So it's the fruit of the, the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, etc. So this is how I pray. I say, Lord, today I haven't been very loving. I could have talked more to that person and given them attention. There's a little young lady in our group and she's uh, mentally handicapped. And sometimes I see her a lot and have to, give us, have to be very patient with her. Um, this is in a prayer group we have. But then sometimes I want to be doing something else and I might shut her out. And I have realized that because she's intellectually handicapped, if you had her here in a group like this, perhaps everybody would be busy and they would maybe friendly to her, but you haven't got much time for that person. It's not out of nastiness or anything. It's just easier to converse with your buddies and that sort of thing. So I'm aware of that. So I try to listen to her. But I realized sometimes that I would just shut her out because, you know, I wanted to start the prayer or the song or something else. And that's not the exercise of love that God wants us to do. So I would pray, Lord, you move in me. You know, when we can't change, you move in me with the power of your spirit. And you place that love in me. You place that consciousness in me. And I think if we can see it in that way, if we can see that we're surrendering our heart to God, it's not so much the I, but once again we're saying, you be the fruit of patience in me. Lord, I'm not very much at peace. What is keeping me from having this peace? Lord, send your Holy Spirit upon me. We know we have the Spirit. We know we receive the Holy Spirit, baptism, confirmation. But the Catholic Catechism says, it's the teaching of the church, that the Spirit is not bound to the sacraments. The Spirit is in the sacraments, but the Spirit blows where he will and comes to us. That doesn't demean the sacraments in any way. But the Lord is with us there all the time. Come, Lord, come within me, be my patience, be my self-control. Because, remember that earlier reading from Corinthians it's a process of transformation. 
I'm continually being changed upon the journey. I was spending yesterday thinking about this a lot, and it's all come out differently anyway. But, um, and then I turned on the TV, the tennis, and um, some of you may be interested in tennis, and Tomic, the young Australian, was playing Dokovic, the number one tennis player in the world. And he was being very positive, like, uh, yes, he'll do his best. And I think reports in the news recently was that you know, Tomic wasn't doing so good. I think he had a couple of um, incidents in Queensland. It's been in the paper where he uh, was driving his fancy car and had a bit of an altercation with a cop, etc. So they were saying his life has been you know, a bit rattled around. And anyway, I started watching this game and um, I said, Barbara, look at this, come and watch this. And it was a great match because he beat the number one. And um, Tomic beat Dokovic. And uh, he said at the end, he said, well, I've been in special training. He said, I put more into my serve. He said, I've, put, I've got more strength in my legs now. And I thought of that in relation to our lives, our spiritual world. We all put a lot into what we want to achieve, whether it's through study, whether it's through physical exercise, that we want to be somebody in a particular realm. And that's good because the Lord wants us to use our natural talents. But the Lord also wants us to train in our supernatural gifting that he's given us. And so it does take a conviction. God says to us, are you for real, man? Are you for real? You've heard it, haven't you? Are you for real? Are you for real? And we have to say, yes, Lord, I am for real. Like the night I knelt at my bed and said, Lord, I can't change. You've got to change me. So he calls us to be with him in that and to grow in that intimacy every day. In the apostolic letter that John Paul II spoke about, he was calling about a new evangelization. And this is being talked about more and more. And the new evangelization starts afresh with Christ, starts afresh with Jesus. It's the same message, but it's being presented just in different ways because the world is hungry for Jesus. The people out there or the people yourselves who are on drugs or too much booze or too much sex, it's really just something that we're hungry for inside and so we seek some pleasure. And we'll always still be hungry for more because it never satisfies our need. And our need is to be in relationship with Jesus. And again, you can be thinking in your mind or your heart, oh, well, yeah, it doesn't sound too cool, man. I've got a pretty good thing going right now. I was watching something on TV the uh, other day. I couldn't sleep one night. I think it must happen as you get older. And so I uh, went to pray and I wasn't going too well with the prayer. It was okay, but my mind was all over the place and that's okay, I know that. But I just felt the Lord say to turn on Channel 10 and I know that they have these different evangelists on Channel 10 about 4 o'clock in the morning. And um, I thought, maybe. Um, I've watched Joyce Meyer before, I quite like her message. And um, I thought, is it me or... 
So I tossed it around for a while and I turned on the TV and there was this lady being interviewed by some um, Australian pastor or evangelist and she had started Cherry Somebody. Um, she had started a group called New Steps. Now she had been abused as a young child and she took to the, the drugs and uh, she was in the street life. And, um, but she started up this program now. She travels the world and um, helps people uh, to get off drugs, helps them in the steps, the new steps to um, get out of their addiction. But she says from all of what she's seen and from her own experience, all addictions, whether they be sex, whether it be gambling, whether it be drugs, whether it be just a bad temper that you can't control, all addictions start with a desire for some pleasure. And there is that experience of pleasure. But in the end, she said, everybody ends up in the pit and crying out for more and they're never satisfied. Because the only one who can satisfy us and give us that true peace and joy is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Remember when people were wondering who he was? And he said to Peter, Well, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's who we have on our side. That's who we are in our identity. That's what my identity is. Apart from what else I may have in natural talents, my identity is that I am a son of the living God, a brother of Jesus Christ, because he's given me his spirit. He's given me his Holy Spirit. He's given me his spirit to overcome the darkness in the world. All the letters, all the readings from John's first letter we've had leading up to Christmas, I think it was, all talk about the light and the darkness. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And John talks about the light overcoming the darkness. Satan, the devil, the evil one, will lead us into darkness. He leads us into darkness by showing us what is pleasurable. But one of his chief roles is to be a deceiver. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. And have it to the full. John 10.10. 10. Just before that he talks about the thief comes to steal and destroy. That's the work of the devil. And this is what this woman was saying. Yes, these people, all of us, if we allow ourselves to grow more and more into pleasurable activity, in the end there is a nothingness for us. In the end there is an emptiness. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And we can experience in this life because through our baptism he gives us eternal life with him. If we choose the other way, we have a life of eternal darkness. But also that we can experience peace and joy and love in this life. Very quickly... I uh, was a little bit wild in my teens. I was in a footy team where, you know, it was all parties and booze and all that sort of thing. All that, but in my heart, 
God had still left his imprint of his salvation and I never ever felt good about it. I felt um, uh, still drawn back to reconciliation in the sacraments. So there was that struggle. Until really I understood this reading, what he was saying. Until I understood that it doesn't depend on me. It does depend on me in the respect that I have to choose God, that I have to choose, choose Jesus and allow him to do that heart surgery. But once we can have that little change in mind, things change for us and it becomes easier. We will still have the struggles, we'll still have the temptations, things will go wrong in our life, but Jesus didn't promise necessary, necessarily that he will fix everything up, he promised that he would be with us in the situation. I will be with you. I will take you through. I will take you through the darkness into the light. Anyway, I remembered somewhere where a priest had come to our school. And um, when I was in year 10, I left school when I was in 15, soon after my dad died. And um, he said, I forget what else he said, but said, say a Hail Mary every day for the girl you're going to marry. And as 14 or 15-year-olds, we sort of, <laughs> you know, that wasn't very cool. And uh, sort of laughed it off and giggled away. In the, and uh, he probably thought he wasn't getting much of a reception. But I remembered that. I always remembered that. No matter where I might have been um, going the wrong way, I always remembered, not every day, but every now and then, to say a Hail Mary for the girl I was going to marry. I thought there was something mystical and mysterious about it. I thought, well, God's got it in control. And uh, I remember since then a priest saying, well, m one of Mary's main jobs is she's the arranger. Uh, she's not the lone ranger, she's the arranger. And uh, you remember the wedding feast at Cana? She arranged for the uh, guys to put the water to, she pointed them to um, do whatever he tells you, that's it. Do whatever he tells you. And she arranged for the water to be turned into the wine through her son Jesus. So out of that, um, although my family life was a bit troubled, I married a beautiful little lady and um, had a very happy marriage and four beautiful children. And um, then um, she died of cancer and that was a difficult road. And um, so after she died, I thought, gee, this is uh, I was pretty lonely and lost again. And... Uh, so I thought momentarily about becoming a priest, and then I felt that uh, God didn't want me to do that. So I said, oh, thanks very much. <laughs> and uh, so I remembered again, and I started saying my Hail Mary every day for the woman that I would marry. And so, you know, these last seven years I've been married to the lovely Barbara, and I now have another beautiful marriage. So that's pretty good. This is how God works in your life. But I said to her before we got married, I said, but part of our life has to be the important part of my life, although I'm not a priest, although I'm not particularly educated in this world, in this realm, uh, part of my life is to share the gospel of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That was Vince Fitzwilliams with the Fruits of the Spirit. For more talks from the Immaculate Mission School 2013, visit Cradio.org.au